Hi there, and welcome back to I Hadn't Considered That. I am your host, Vanessa Tori. Friends, I have to tell you, it has been quite a week, and it is, has it been a week? Is it, my God, what day is it? I don't even know, I don't even know what day it is. This is what the last week or so of my life has been. It's been an absolute whirlwind. As you know, we didn't have a podcast last week because I was super busy taking my daughter off to college, which is an entire experience in and of itself. But her dad and her stepmom drove her car from Arizona to the state of Washington, and she and I flew out to meet them. And then we had days of doing all of the parental child college stuff. She's in an apartment, but obviously didn't take anything with her because it seems silly to travel across the country with a mattress when it would cost less to just buy a new one there. So we had to get a mattress. We had to go to Ikea. We must have had like eight different trips to Target. We had to go to the grocery store because parents have to stock their kids up with all of the things that they need to eat because that is going to be your one thing that you're going to fixate on is, has my daughter eaten anything today? And then I had to get on a plane on Wednesday and come home to my apartment by myself. And I will tell you, it has been now a few days and I'm settling into being an empty nester. And this is something that I have known has been coming down the pike for a very long time. I mean, obviously when you have a kid, you know you have 18 years of raising that kid before they're an adult, and there's a very good likelihood that at the end of that journey, they're going to leave your house and go live someplace else where you do not live. And so no matter how much I was aware of that over the last 18 years, I'm sitting in that space, and I'm happy to say that for the most part, I'm doing very well. One of the first things I've done is I have frantically cleaned this house all week long. I mean, I am cleaning parts of this apartment that I have not even looked at that I'm sure have no dirt on them, but there is this beautiful thing in my head that I know that whatever I clean is going to stay clean unless I make it unclean. But there was also this sadness that I felt Thursday when I'm sitting on the couch having my coffee and I look at the coffee table and there is an empty sleeve of Ritz crackers that's on the coffee table that my daughter had eaten before bed the night before we flew out. And I looked at it and I was at the same time just kind of taken and amused by it, but at the same time sad because it's going to be a while before there's going to be an empty sleeve of Ritz crackers on my coffee table. And I'm trying really hard not to cry because it is a very emotional time for me. So in order to navigate that, I have started to reach out to my girlfriends who are also moms whose kids have left the roost and just kind of pick their brains on is this normal that I'm thinking about this? Is this normal that I'm not thinking about this? Because obviously there is no definition of normal for what you're going to be like and feel like when your kid leaves the house. But there are certain things that are going to be commonly felt by a lot of moms. And I have been digging deep this last week and trying to figure out what that is. So I had reached out to these girlfriends and my friend Sally had 
some really amazing nuggets that were just so steeped in realness and honesty that it meant a lot to me. I'd asked her if she'd wanted to come on the podcast to sort of talk me through this and maybe impart some wisdom on to you if you're either on the verge of this same step in your life or even if it's a ways away. So Sally and I have a wonderful conversation about what it means for us, what we've done to prepare for it. She shares some great things with me on what I'm not expecting I'm going to feel, some very personal experiences that she went through. And there is this beautiful reassurance that she has in what she tells me that has made me feel a connected to my friend Sally, because I know that I have someone to go to that I can just vent to or get frustrated with that's going to understand where I am. But also that just made me feel like this is okay, that there's nothing right or wrong, and that everything in the end is going to be just fine. Whether she makes a good decision, whether she makes a bad decision, all of this is just part of life. And it's so beautiful. And I'm so excited for this journey for my daughter. And I'm also really excited for me. I went to the farmer's market on Saturday. I will tell you, shit got weird. I'm not even kidding. Like I bought all of the things that I knew my daughter would have no interest in because for the first time in such a long time, I don't have to consider what I'm putting into the fridge and whether or not somebody else that lives in my house is going to eat it. I am the only person in my house that is going to eat the bowl of figs that I bought at the farmer's market. So there's this weird liberation that I went through to say, yeah, I'm going to buy the figs. I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with them, but this is going to be kind of fun. And then I went to the grocery store and backfilled all of my groceries with anything else interesting that I could find. I bought a mango and a papaya for breakfast. And so now I can have this mango and papaya with buttered, super seedy toast that my daughter just absolutely hated that I bought the generic wheat bread because that's what she liked. But I get to have all of these things and there's something joyful about that. But I will tell you, I miss her like crazy. She FaceTimed me on Friday and there is such joy in, and this is where I cry, there is such joy in the moment where your child calls you, not because they have to, not because they have to check in, not because they're going to get in trouble if they don't, not because they need to pick up something from the house. They need to see if you're home. They need to see if you have their fill in the blank, but solely because your kid wants to talk to you. And it was, whew, one of the greatest moments of my entire motherhood career. So now that I have completely and totally made myself cry, I'm going to introduce you to my dear friend, Sally, which I will tell you when you're listening to this, just shut your eyes and picture Sharon Osborne, because like halfway through the podcast, I realized that I am talking to this hilarious friend of mine who is this little British woman with pink hair whose husband's in a band and who has an older son and a younger daughter. And I'm like, 
what in the name of the Osbournes is even happening right now. So I hope that you enjoy this. And I hope that if you are an empty nester, or if you're getting to that point, it brings you a little bit of comfort. At least I hope that you were thoroughly entertained by our banter um, and just how adorable and charming Sally is. So thank you so much. And I hope that you enjoy this week's episode. Sally, I'm so glad that you're here with me. It's so good to see you. I would love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, my name's Sally. I live in Froome, Somerset in England. It's about two hours south of London. Um, I've got two grown-up children, both disappeared. So I'm an empty nester for a while now. And I sell vintage clothes and just sit around smoking, really. That's what I do. Drinking tea. And of course, this evening, I've got my alcoholic beverage. Yes, your vermouth and lemonade. That's Which right. You told me earlier that you drank in the 70s. Yeah, when I was a teenager. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, well, there's some cultural differences in us letting our um, baby birds fly out of the nest that we yeah. certainly need to talk to. So tell us a little bit about, you said you have got the two kids. Um, how how old are they now? And what was their path in, in leaving your nest? Did they go to right. school? Did they go to the workforce? My son um is now oh my goodness he must be 29 he went off when he was 18 um what we do here is they finish high school and then he went to sixth form which means he stays on at school until 18 and then he just disappeared off to university in Stoke which is about four hours drive away which for us is massive I know for you it's just a trip to the shop but it was a very sudden thing. Even though you know it's coming, you sort of don't really consider it. And just one day they say, oh, you know, it's my prom. I need a limo and a suit. And, you know, as far as you're concerned, they're 10 years old. So that was a bit of a shock. And then he didn't know which university he was going to because he failed exams. So you go into a, um, a thing which is called... I can't remember what it's called, but you just put in for whatever university can take you. So again, very sudden, he just put in, got this Stoke University and was off in two weeks. Oh um, my gosh. Daughter, yeah, it was really quick. My daughter didn't go to college, but she moved out at about 17 to live with her boyfriend. So oh. this, this was all about same time they just suddenly left well and that's Uh, interesting that you have them leaving in in different paths for different reasons I think a lot of people associate becoming an empty nester with your kid going off to college because that's so prescribed as the path they're supposed to to go on but there are so many other people that they their kids move out like you said to to go and pursue a romantic relationship I've got a friend who's Son is going directly into the workforce and is moving five states away for a job. Mm. And so there's there's a lot of different things to consider in this. So those were two very different situations for you. Yeah. How close was your daughter when she moved out? How close? Like how far away was she? From oh, uh, it was a couple of towns uh, along, but she then started managing a coffee shop and she was at work all the time. Mm-hmm. So we never really got to see her. Um, mm-hmm. They, I mean, my son used to come back for holidays, but neither of them ever came to live at home again. 
Oh, okay. So here's what's interesting is my daughter is it's so funny. She's been she's been on her own for like a whole whopping like two days now. So yeah. we drove well, her dad took her car and drove her car, and this was a two-day drive for him because yeah. she lives halfway across the country. So he took the car with his um, his wife, and then I flew out with her to meet up with them. And so we had three days of all of the moving stuff, all of the setting up. And I will tell you, the biggest thing that I was ill-prepared for was that I had no idea that when I was done raising my daughter as a single parent and co-parenting with my ex-husband for 16 years, that the culmination of this experience was going to be going on a three-day family vacation with my ex-husband and his wife. <laughs> like there was Sally, there was so much together time. I had no idea. And my poor daughter who has no memory of her mom and her dad ever being married because we got divorced right after she turned two. And she, you know, she, her dad and her stepmom have been married, I think for eight years now. So, so she, she has, she's never seen you together. She's never seen us together. Like she's seen us co-parent. Like we're really good friends. We get along wonderfully, but she's never seen us in the same place for longer than maybe, you know, an hour. And so yeah. this was like culture shock for everybody. So she did not have like this experience that. I had where, I mean, my parents drove me to the college, they unpacked my stuff and then like they took me out to lunch and then they got yeah. in the car and drive, drove home. It was like, this was a long period of time because she needed to buy furniture. We had to move all of her stuff into the apartment. She's got two roommates. So there was a lot that I was not ready for. And I feel like I'm just kind of in this place right now where I'm just like wandering around my apartment. I am doing yeah. the deep clean of the apartment because there's no one here to mess it up anymore. Like if this place gets messy, it's totally on me, but I'm like cleaning like a fiend. It's kind of fun. I but, think so you, you sort of, even though you might not be, I wasn't a mumsy person. I was more like Sharon Osborne, but your day is punctuated by your kids. And whether you're getting them off to school or you, you're still having to be in control. You have to be. Mm -hmm. They don't get things themselves. And then you make dinner and you, so your day's punctuated with these things. And suddenly you don't have to do any of these things. So you have to find a new way of punctuating your day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You probably used to make dinner for a certain time because she was coming home or something. And suddenly it doesn't really matter. She's a very active kid. She always was. So she either had um, a volunteer activity. She had some sort of sports practice. She worked. So my life for the last four years seems to be sending a text every single day yeah. asking her what time she's going to be home. Yeah. So that yeah. I can plan my entire evening. Because exactly. I was not, I was not though, as you call it, the mumsy mum either. I mean, and I think that you and I kind of have that in common. Like I was never the helicopter mom. It was sort of the, you let me know when you're coming home because I can, I'm flexible, especially as a single mom. I don't have any other people to deal with. So mm -hmm. 
she would tell me, oh yeah, I'll be home at 7.30 or I'm not going to be home tonight. I have, you know, an extra practice at this point, or we've got a scrimmage or there's a, a football game. And then I would plan my night around that. Like that was what I saw my job as a mom is that for the last 18 years of my life, everything that I have wanted has been a secondary decision. Absolutely. And now it's a primary decision and it, is weird. I see it as you've been working at a job for 20 years and you go in one day and they go, I'm sorry, you've been made redundant. There's no job for you. And I think it must be the same sort of confusion of getting up the next day and thinking, oh, what, what, what am I doing now? First of all, you think, oh, this is great. I can do whatever I want. But it, it's just not having these plans for someone else that you work from. Interesting is that I'm glad that you made that analogy because I have joked around that um, I had a full-time job as a mom. That was my job. Yeah. And yeah. now I have, my job has come to an end. I am no longer a full-time mom. However, I am a consultant. It's kind of like when somebody retires from work, but they're still kind of needed by the company. So the yeah. company keeps them on speed dial and they work as a consultant in case, you know, they ever need something. I feel the same way. Like Caroline yeah. can call me anytime she wants. I'm here for whatever she needs. And hopefully she will. My son used to phone me and say, right, here's a problem for you. I've left this amusement park. There's no buses. There's nobody around. What can I do? And I'd have to work out these problems. We always did. I mean, we organized them a taxi and paid for it. But you still do get those calls and you have to sort them out. Um, and they do come home for holidays, Christmas, whatever. But they, I mean, you don't know this. I didn't know they'd never come back to live. Mm -hmm. And we eventually moved home. So now they haven't got, you know, we've got spare room, but we haven't got their bedrooms that we used to have. And I, I think, I don't think they see this as home now. It's interesting Which, that you, that you did that because I did that. Mm. So Caroline had the same house for 15 years yeah. is how long we were in my old house. And I recognize that with the market being what it is and with that house being, you know, 1800 square feet, I didn't need all that space. And I sure as hell didn't want to maintain it myself. So I sold the house and now I'm living in a 775 square foot, one bedroom apartment where I got a couch specifically that has a pullout so that when she comes home, she has a place to stay, but she doesn't get to day yeah because she hasn't got a room with all her stuff in but I mean that's the way life's supposed to be isn't it they're supposed to be able to go out and live their own lives and neither of them ever I don't think considered coming to live back at home they, yeah, they just want to do their own thing and they're still Harley who went to university in Stoke he then went and moved to Liverpool, which is quite near. And he's been there now ever since. And we, we see him about twice a year and we go up there twice a year as well. And um, Lola left the boyfriend um, and now she lives in London. So neither of them live with us, but it's quite nice because we can go and visit them. 
But when they do come home, it's a bit of a shock after a while. You suddenly, they come back and revert to your mum. I will leave my stuff everywhere. They look, they live by themselves and look after themselves. But when they come home, they can't do anything. And you, <laughs> you, and you start tidying up and then you think, hang on, why am I doing this? Do their washing. You do all the like mummy stuff. And I mean, my son's nearly 30. <laughs> I think one of the things that I'm that I'm kind of dealing with right now that is connected to that making the phone call at the end of the day to see when she's going to be home is that yeah. we we had, you know, the the GPS tracking so that I I could always see where she was, she could always see okay. where I was. Okay. Because that was just one of those in case she ever it was for her safety. So if she ever was stuck, whatever it was, I could see if her phone, doc, whatever it is, I could see where she yeah. was. Um, yeah. It was, it was never a means to spy on her and she knew that. And it was never a means obviously for her to spy on me of, oh, hey, mom's not home. Let's go to my house. Like she's just not that kid, but there's no need for me to check her location. And it's interesting that I haven't checked her location because I don't want to check up on her. She's 18 years old, doing her own thing at college, there's no need for me to know where she is. And so I haven't checked once, but there's sort of this trust of, you know, when the baby bird goes and flies, you just kind of got to hold your breath and hope for the best. Well, when we dropped Harley off, I mean, it's terrible, but being this, he was quite a young 18, he was only just turned 18, and he knew nothing. I'd spent like, couple of months trying to teach him how to do things but it was one of those things we were so rubbish at it it was easier for me to do which is a really bad thing because then he went off we took him to university dropped him off with all his cooking utensils and left him and I was thinking you won't be able to do anything but you have to if if you leave them and they've got to do it it's surprising they do I mean now he makes he loves Gordon Ramsay and makes great big Gordon Ramsay dinners and He's just done that himself. So they do learn. It's actually, that, I mean, that's it. It's not just the education, it's the growing up. Um, and because they're doing it with lots of people their own age who are also learning, it's a really good experience for them. I was shocked when we took Caroline grocery shopping. Um, the three of us took her grocery shopping, which again, I mean, I'm sure that was like the seventh level of hell for her because she's shopping with her dad and her stepmom and her mom. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like, there's, then there's the discussion of, well, you use what ketchup in your house? I use this ketchup in my house. But I was shocked because she was making good choices on things to eat, right? Yeah. Like she wanted to get a couple cans of tuna fish. She wanted to get the bagged salad. Because she knew that that was going to be really easy to, to make because she and I were so much on the go that we had, we would take that and throw in some chicken or whatever. And that was dinner. And so I don't have the concerns that she's going to ever, like, she's going to go off the rails, right? When I went to college, there were two groups of kids, right? There were the kids that had been super sheltered whose parents never let them do anything. Yeah. And those kids went bonkers. Yeah. And then there were the kids whose parents were, gave them more freedom to 
learn how to make mistakes, to learn how to deal with ramifications of bad decisions. And Caroline is, is certainly the latter, right? Because that's just the kind of parent I was. I was much more, um, trial by fire. You need to learn. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saving you, but there's like this, this idea. I mean, she is three States away. I mean, she is, it would take me a long time to get to her. It's not like she's, you know, two cities over at, at ASU. So it's difficult for me to kind of just, you know, deal with the curiosity of how she's doing, what she's doing without invading the space and just hoping that she comes to me and brings those problems there. I think texting, that was always my go-to. I'd just text and go, you know, how are you doing today or whatever. And both of them used to keep in touch, luckily. So I always knew what was happening. And they also used to tell me exactly what they'd been doing. And a lot of the times I really didn't need to hear it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, they, they were both very honest, which was great. But, you know, it's, yeah, OK. But um, they've, yeah, they've, they've done well. They've done well. But I think, as I said to you yesterday, you don't realise, I didn't realise for a few years that it did actually affect me quite badly. At the time, I didn't even think about it. But I think. What do you mean? Well, explain. I don't know if I can properly. They both went off at the same time. So it was a bit of a shock. And I thought, okay, fine, this is what happens. But it's the realization that your life has completely changed and you still think, oh, they'll probably come back or they'll come and you still keep their bedrooms going. And I think. I probably felt a bit lost after a while. It it takes a while. It's not like the first day or the first week. And then you've got to find your own your own things that you want to do. Because you've always been used to, I don't know, you have to be home at a certain time or and you sleep better when they come home. I think that mm-hmm. was the worst one. You're used to thinking, oh, everybody's home, I can go to sleep. You've still got that protective mother thing going and suddenly you've got nowhere to put it I think that the experience for me as a mother of an only child I am sure it would probably be different than somebody who has you know two three kids and you you had the a similar experience to what I'm experiencing because yours left all at one time so you had both of them leaving at the same time there was no staggering where you got to figure out when Harley went to school or how to, sc- when he went to school, how to deal with your emotions because mm. Lola left at the same time you had to process. And I can't imagine going through this twofold. Mm. Well, I didn't, I, I honestly, at the time I just thought I'd find that's you know, that's a bit of a shock, I think, but I didn't really process anything until later on when I, you know, suddenly thought, oh, I haven't got it. It's that day-to-day punctuation and planning and, you know, all this stuff you do. It it does take away quite a large part of your life. Mm-hmm. And you think this is going to be great. I won't have all that. You're so used to it. I mean, 18 years is a long time to just be, particularly as a single parent, because it's really all down to you. You, you just haven't got you're not the number one person in their life anymore 
And I think that starts when they first go to school. When they start coming home and you go, what do you do today? And they go, oh, I don't want to talk about it. And so you should have got used to it. But then you don't know where they are, what they're doing, if they're all right. And that takes quite a long time to get used to. Even though you know they're all right, you're used to knowing exactly where they are. I think that I started some of the work to try and stave that off early. Yeah. Um, and, and that came in ways of never wanting to tie too much of my identity into being a mom. I always wanted to make sure that I understood that my role, especially as a woman, I think it is almost expected that the minute that we have children, that is going to be the all-consuming part of our lives. And the people that I feel bad for, and I could only imagine what they would be going through is when I was teaching, I would get email addresses from parents and I would have these email addresses that were like, Kaylee's mom, mom oh, of no. the super three. No, no, <laughs> yeah, I, no, I was never going to be that mom. It was just like, no. I am never going to be the type of mom that is going to have my kid's name in my email address because I, oh, I would see these things and I would think, okay, Kaylee's mom. 83, what is going to happen to you? When they when, leave. Yes, yeah. when Kaylee goes off to college and now you are, you have lost your identity as Kaylee's mom because you don't have to be Kaylee's mom anymore. Mm. And like what that I am, I would love to hear from somebody who has a perspective on that one because I felt like there was some sort of wall almost that I had to protect myself. And it was never standoffish with my kid, but it was always raising my kid to be independent so that when she went off to school, she didn't lose her mind and I didn't lose my mind. We had a very tight relationship in, in that regard, but that concerns me because when we wrap our identity into being the mom, there's also an adverse effect to that. And that's something that I want to ask you about. And I hope it's, it's not too personal is yeah. I see that many times you have couples that get married young and immediately start to have children. So these people got married at 25, welcomed their first kid at 27, and then spent 20 years raising children. And now here they are at 47 or 48, and they are home alone with each other and that has not happened for 20 years. Probably. I mean, I've got friends that got pregnant, got married while they were pregnant, and they've spent their whole relationship with children. And then their children leave. And what they seem to do is spend every weekend driving to the college to see the child. Can you imagine what that child must be going through? Their parents turn weekend. Because they haven't got anything in common because all they used to talk about was the children and they've never had time on their own. I got married. We lived together for 10 years before we got married and then we didn't have children for, hmm, must have been. Yeah, I think we had children. No, I, what am I talking about? I had Harley before we got married, but we've been together for like nine years um, before that happened. Um, so I think that's quite important. You need to get to know your partner. Don't just and don't have children at 21 or in your 20s. Don't have children in your 20s. 
because that's a solid piece of advice I, I just think it's I wait till I was 30 but 30 was the having the baby years um and then I always thought I had you know if I went out I would never talk about the children if other women would start talking about their children I'd just leave the table because you're the only one that's interested in your own children no one else is bothered um so no I I wouldn't say I went out you know I wasn't as I say a mumsy mum this is why it was all quite a shock but my children were my friends that was Mm -hmm. the thing we got on really well so it is like suddenly they've gone it would be interesting to see the divorce rates for people who have children early versus people who waited because I know a lot of people that do this whole thing of, well, we're going to wait until the kids are out of the house to get divorced, which I think is personally, I think is horribly damaging to your children. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what happened to my husband. His parents hated each other. And then on Boxing Day, so we've only been staying together for you and your brother and we're off. I mean, that is just, he had no idea they didn't like each other because he was playing football or whatever. But terrible to do that well and what a burden to put on your child exactly exactly like oh you you must spend ages thinking well how long have they stayed together just because of me right um but most people i know who've gone with the oh i think you have children young and grow up with them are not in a couple anymore no it's just no for anybody who is considering the whole staying together for the sake of the kids Um, I could have 18 different podcasts on exactly how hard it is once you hit middle age to be dating and trying to find your life partner. It is so much easier to try and find your life partner when you're in your 20s or early 30s and you've figured out your life and you've done some growing and then you stay with that person in perpetuity, whether you raise kids or you don't, because Man, I think that there's a lot of people that don't, they haven't seen that decision through. I'll just stay together for the kids. Well, that's, you have underestimated how difficult this is going to be. Because you Uh come up from that, your children leaving, and then you, I mean, it's a lot to go through. And then you're so much older than you, you could have split up ages ago and maybe have a completely different life or a completely different partner. Um, I I think it's really wasting a few years, personally. So when the kids left, did were there changes, whether positive or negative, in your marriage with Peter? Where did you do things that you suddenly realized, oh, we can do this because we don't have the kids at home, or we can go here or do that? Were there changes you guys went through? Um, well, he's in a band, so he just carried on with his normal life. Um. He, you know, he worked full time and he was gigging every weekend. Uh, so it's generally, I was generally at home alone most of the time. So it didn't change our relationship, but we do, luckily, we go on holiday every year and we try and go somewhere different and our children always come with us, which is quite nice. They still, I mean, we are going to like Vietnam, quite nice places, so I'd probably have done the same with my parents. But I think it's important to have family memories that, I mean, we all still talk about all the holidays and we do that every year without fail. 
they, they, you know, they never say I need to stay at home with my girlfriend, boyfriend, because they haven't really had anything serious yet. Um, but yeah, I think it's still important to do things as a family, even if it's just a couple of weeks a year. I, don't, I mean, it meant we could move to wherever we wanted to. That was one thing. Because before, you're stuck in that same place because they're at that school or whatever it is. They've got friends there and they don't want to move. So you can move somewhere else when the children have gone so they can't find you. But <laughs> <laughs> So we, so we did do that, and now we're going to be moving again, which we wouldn't be able to do if they were at home. So, yeah, we did, we, we've done that. We have been raising Caroline one week on and one week off for years. So I have lived, whenever I have planned anything, I have had to go to my calendar and open it up and see if there's a little dot there because, right, yeah. is it my turn to have her? And even, you know, when she was, a senior in high school and she had all of these activities and she was rarely ever home because she did work a lot and she was in a varsity sport and she had all of these, she played club sports and she was in student government. She had all of these things going on. I still never went on vacation or I tried not to go on vacation when it was my week with her because I didn't want to lose my week. And then it would require that her dad and I would juggle everything. But it's like, I am now. I've quit you my do what you want. Exactly. And one of the things that I did to prepare for that is I quit my day job. I quit my nine to five job and went to work for myself so I could have all of this freedom to do whatever the hell I want. And so I can go camping next week for three days in the middle of the week. And I don't have to worry about whether it's going to interfere with my time with her because my time with her was at a premium and I didn't want to. I don't want to leave her. So that's kind of exciting that I don't have to check somebody else's schedule. Mm. I can yeah. just go. That's, I mean, that's bizarre to me. That's not happened for, for 16 years. You, you have to decide what you want to do and do it. You couldn't do that before up to no. a certain point. But when will you be seeing her again? I don't know. So she has, she's playing volleyball. For her college, she has games starting the middle of August through the beginning of November. So her ability to come home is very minimal. So I'm going to plan to come to her. But this is what's so funny. She tells me, well, mom, you know, my my friends want to come and she's got a girlfriend that's still back here. She's like, so, you know, my girlfriend wants to come and visit. And so, you know, we need to plan everything. And I told her, no, 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 no. Your friends will be planning around me. Hey, I yeah. get priority. I get to choose the weekend first, and that's going to be the end of that. So I would say I probably will go see her um, maybe the beginning of September before it gets really cold up there. She's in the Pacific Northwest. So, mm -hmm. but then we have Thanksgiving in November and, and then Christmas, but she's all like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to come home. And I know the reality of her saying that because she's super excited, but I think that she's going to be the type of kid that's going to be chomping at the bit to They'll all, they'll all go home for Christmas. One of the last things that I wanted to talk to you about was from your kid's perspective, beyond just the everyday things of, you told me a funny story earlier about, about hardly trying to learn how to cook an egg. Yeah. Um, they don't know anything. And that's, that's my fault. Yes. Yeah, so I said to him, right, you're going to have to learn to cook. 
um, what do you want to make? And he said, a boiled egg. And I said, well, you just put an egg in a pan. So he put an egg in a pan and started cooking it because I didn't actually specifically say put water in it as well. So he just had this egg in a pan. And I thought, oh, God, what on earth is he going to be doing? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. But, what do you think was the biggest point of growth that you saw just in the first year when your kids left? What were the biggest things that you think that they figured out on their own? Um, money took them a long time. Not so much my daughter, but Harley. He has absolutely no idea about money. And um, in university towns here, it's all bars. And what they want to do is get all the students, because you can drink at 18. So they want the students to spend as much money as they can in bars. And they have ATM machines next to each actual bar. So they lose count of how much they're spending. And he had an inheritance at the time and he spent, he, he phoned me up after about nine months and said, I've spent my whole inheritance and all my money on alcohol. And oh I feel absolutely terrible about it. And I said, look, did you have a good time? And he said, yeah. And I said, look, it's your first time because he was 18. It was the first time he'd been to the pub, the first time. And he'd learned his lesson, but he was always going to go berserk when he first got there and I understood that and I said look as long as you had a good time you won't do it again you, you've learned and he did so that was his big lesson. I think a lot of us are told that our college years are supposed to be like the most fun the happiest times of our lives and I don't recall that mine was overwhelmingly you know joyful I mean I enjoyed it but I was also an exceptionally responsible college kid so I didn't mm -hmm. go on any trips during the summer I always worked in the summer um, I always sort of have this sense of obligation. And so now that I've gotten into my later years, I'm on my back nine. I'm like, well, what are the things that I wish I would have done and encouraging my daughter to do that so that she has a different experience. I have still to this day, because I'll be showing up at your, your doorstep. I have not flown overseas to go on a vacation. I've never done it. I've always been working studying or being mom. And now is my time to do that. I want my daughter to have that in college when she isn't overburdened with life and responsibilities. If she can take a semester and go study abroad, I want her to do it. My daughter went to Paris. She, she was really, really sensible, moved in with her boyfriend. Um, she'd always done drama and she was managing this coffee shop. And she suddenly phoned me up and said, I finished with my boyfriend. He's done nothing wrong, but I've realized my first relationship, we're not going to be together forever and I need to go to drama college. And she did it herself. And then she went and studied in Paris for three years. Um, so she's, I mean, I really admire her because that's hard leaving a relationship where they've done nothing wrong. Um, so she's done, and she goes traveling by herself, which is, I usually only know when she's come back, but she's very, very confident and yeah, I think travel is such an important thing. Teaches you so much. That's what I did. I didn't go to college. I went traveling instead. Um, so yeah, if she can find another college within Europe or wherever, it'd be really good for her. Absolutely. She needs to, she needs to know that there's more to the world than what she sees in front of her, which I think yeah. is a big part of her deciding to go out of state for college. Yeah. And as much as I would like for her to stay here, 
that decision was a big part of me letting go as a parent because selfishly, obviously, I want her to go to the university that's right down the street so that I can see her all the time. But she chose to go to the school and she got a scholarship and it works out financially incredible for us. But I'm delighted that she's going to have this level of independence because she doesn't have me to come over and literally teach her how to boil an egg at, you know, three o'clock today because she wants to learn. She's going to have to go to, you know, her other mom, Google, and she's going to have to Google it and figure it out on her own. And I'm excited. Yeah. Right. So I guess one of my last questions is what, what was the biggest source of pride for you? When your kids left home, what were you most proud of, either of yourself or of them? As I say, I was very proud of Lola for realizing what she wanted to do and just doing it without any help from anybody. Um, And when she went off to Paris, I was thinking, oh, we're going to have to pay so much money for her. And she went and found a job and somewhere to live the first day. And she couldn't even speak French at the time. Very proud of her. And then Harley has just stayed in Liverpool he lives with his friends he's, he's been doing the site he doesn't like change um but he now manages the bar and the most I think the proudest thing about them is they're really happy um they do come to us if they've got any problems occasionally money but they're really self-sufficient they're much better than I was at their age much better I don't know where they got it from you want them to be able to be kind and happy you know I don't care about education so much as long as they're doing what they want to do, whatever that is. Um, I mean, I don't think Harley's used his degree at all, Um, but he got it. And it's nice to have, but he's never used it. But it has given him this whole new independence, which if he'd stayed at home, he wouldn't have got. No, no. I know that there's other cultures in which the kids are not pushed out of the home where they are encouraged to stay more with the nuclear family for as long as they need to. And there's a lot of discussion regarding whether or not this concept of the kids moving out and being on their own at 18 isn't some part of a capitalist agenda. And I think that's a little far-fetched. I don't think the entire intention is that our kids are thrown out of our house so that people can make money on our family having three different households instead of one nuclear one. I think that at a certain point, we need to let go of the apron strings or they need to let go of the apron strings. And and we need to sort of cut that cord so that they can become the people that they're supposed to be instead of the people that we're trying to get them to be. Yeah. If you've done your job, they're going to be good people. You can't, you can't keep them at home. They've got to go out and you know, he's got no confidence because he's not used to being away from his parents. And that's that's him for the rest of his life, you know. He will, his parents will go and then he will inherit the house and probably still stay in his one little bedroom. Well, yeah. Sally, so- you have given me, you've given me a lot of reassurance here mm-hmm. that everything that I'm feeling is totally normal. Yeah. And that what I'm going to be feeling... That was odd. Um, and that what I'm going to be feeling in the next couple months is going to have the the ups and downs. And I guess more than anything, I welcome them because it's yeah. part of my growth. This is time for me to grow as well. Uh, I, I, 
it's not just about Caroline. It's about how do I navigate and how do I figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life, just as she's figuring out what to do with hers. Exactly. Yeah. So getting the, writing those lists and making plans and being excited about them. And you know that you've done the right thing and she'll be fine. Just grow into a proper adult. Oh, Sally, thank you for talking with me this afternoon. No or worries. for you this evening. I can see the sun going down behind you. Yes. And it's raining. It's not hot anymore. Thank goodness. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us today. New episodes launch every Monday, so I hope you'll be back. If you enjoyed this podcast, there's several ways to show your support. First, by rating the podcast and leaving a review, you help others to find great content. Second, if you're looking for further connection, consider becoming a patron of the podcast, where you'll have a fun and interesting way to connect with others and even get more information on perspectives and things you may not have considered. Lastly, please share this podcast with a friend. The number one way that podcasts reach more people is through sharing and word of mouth. I appreciate you and your beautiful open mind. See you soon.